You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. One, two, Good morning and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Group Tagging alongside the Prince of Florida 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins. NFL Draft Weekend, a lot to recap there. We'll also get into a commitment rundown, but first things first, what a great day to be an Oyster Boy. Great day to be part of this show. Florida Panthers down 3-1. A lot of haters out there said they couldn't do it. Come all the way back. Force a game seven. Lance Glenn, the producer. New York Rangers, right? Devils, bro. Oh, my gosh. Devils. Wow. Do we need to re-record this? Do we need to re-record this? I'm laughing right now. I'm looking at him. He is stone-faced right now. He's not happy about that. Shout out to the Devils one time as well. But the hockey team, Drew, how are you feeling? Feeling good, man. Um, Went to game, what, uh, six Friday night. Um, Was watching the draft on my phone and at the game, and it was probably one of the best Florida Panthers games I've been to. Just a wild atmosphere. Um, Fired up for this next uh, round of of playoff hockey. I mean, there is nothing like people are like, it's just, you got to watch it and get engulfed in it. And then you're like, all right, I understand it. Um, so I'm fired up. Hopefully we see Lance's devils here. And what would that be like two or two weeks from now? Um, in the, in the conference finals, I told him I wanted that matchup when this all started. So we will see. So where did the, before we jump into the show, Lance is obviously in New Jersey. That's a little bit different growing up in the North around hockey. I mean, for you, was it where, like, where did the love of the, the sport come from or is it, Hey, I got to support these guys are in my hometown. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not my hometown, but it's like Fort Lauderdale's team, right? I mean, your back, it's your backyard backyard. It's it, it is the back. It, this, the rink is literally in the Everglades. I don't think people know this um, in between a, a shopping mall it's not the most glorious uh, of, of rink setups, but we make it work. So uh, I, I don't know. I went to games in college and then you just kind of follow along. And I got some some friends that are in the organization. And I don't know. It It's cool. Like the whole city embraces it. And, you know, or I should say Metro. It's not really a city. So that's why I'm in. And then once they start winning, it's there's nothing like it. Florida's the best. Hockey, middle of the Everglades right next to a shopping mall. That's that's one way to do it. All right, Drew, busy weekend. We got to bring the people the news, right? Recruiting news. We got we to stay relevant on that front. So we're going to start there. Commit rundown. Notre Dame, Andrew. And this is kind of interesting. I got to buzz these guys this morning. But busy weekend. Isaiah Canyon, number 56 receiver in the country. He jumps in the boat for the Irish. Bryce Young, number 40 defensive lineman out of North Carolina. Big pickup for defensive line coach Al Washington. 
And then Kennedy Erlacher, if that name sounds familiar, that is the son of Hall of Fame linebacker of the Chicago Bears, Kennedy Erlacher, right now the number 69 safety. Out of the state of Arizona, nice pickup from Marcus Freeman. Drew, you also mentioned probably the Notre Dame fans that are a little bit more in the weeds, but Cam Williams, one of the jewels of Marcus Freeman's class, number 12 receiver in the country. He also opened up track season with a 10-9-7. 22 plus long jump. Why is that important? Well, he's a big physical frame receiver. 10.97 and sub 11 at his size is definitely a positive indicator. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. The draft trends, multi sport athleticism, track and field, why that's important as well. But, Drew, we can talk a little bit about these guys, but out of those three, is there one that stands out to you? I think Isaiah Canyon, right? Wide receiver uh, out of the state of Georgia. I think that's a notable pickup for the Irish. I mean, just they are putting their recruiting class together right now. And uh, he's at Warner Robins, like I said, in the Peach State guy that played quarterback and, and wide receiver as a as a junior. Um, but he he produced. Um, so I think that's a notable one. I, I really, it's just the fact that the bulk of Notre Dame's classes is, is here, right? They're up to 13 commitments, number five class nationally. Um, Canyon is the one that gets me fired up, right? You pair him with Cam Williams, the wide receiver you just brought up. And and the reason I threw that on, on the rundown is, you know, Tom Loy, good friend of the show, covers Notre Dame for 24-7 sports. He texted me, I think it was on Saturday, hey, is, is 22 – what seven a good marker in the long jump i'm like yeah you know that's that's pretty decent he's like oh that that's cam williams first ever track meet hasn't had much training so i uh, thought that was notable uh like that pickup and then and then kennedy erlacher i think you i don't think you said it but he is brian erlacher's kid goes to school there in arizona uh pop on the tape man physical guy likes to hit people um and uh you know class their, their class is coming together like i said I definitely said that. I, th- I think you didn't say Brian. The son of son of Hall of Famer Brian Erlacher. No, I think you Chicago said Kennedy Bears. Erl- I think you said Kennedy Erlacher again. You're good. You're good. We're maybe I'm wrong. Go maybe I'm watch the tape. Maybe I'm. Maybe well, I'm here. Might have to. Might have to get Lance in here, but he's upset about me still about the New Jersey Devils comment. All right. Yeah, Drew. For me, Isaiah Canyon. He's intriguing, and I'll tell you why. A couple of weeks ago, I got on this show. And I said something that I think was taken out of context, but understandably so. Talking about how Marcus Freeman and Brian Kelly, in terms of the recruiting strategy, wasn't all that different in terms of the execution. Now, I think Marcus Freeman has put in a lot more resources, investment, a lot more focus on the recruiting front for Notre Dame. But year one, I didn't think that the end result was all that different. What I like in year two are the physical traits, right? So when I'm talking about year one, I think it's more high floor players that are good football players, but are they going to put you over the top when you're playing a Georgia, Ohio State, so on and so forth? The answer to that question, bluntly, for me, would have been no. Guys like Isaiah Canyon, who maybe don't have the production right now, Andrew, you talked about it, the multi-sport athleticism, but Isaiah Canyon was a guy that showed up in Atlanta in February. We got to see live. Shade under 6'3", 190 pounds, got a six foot six wing. Popped off a 4.51. He had 34-inch vert, and he had a 10.5 broad, which is excellent, right? And you can tell this is a guy that's still trying to find his way a little bit and needs a little bit of polish. It's really not that different than Braylon James, who they took last year out of Texas. 
These are the type of guys that you need to bet on. I really like this for Chancey Stuckey, the receivers coach uh, at Notre Dame in South Bend. So those type of takes and Bryce Young on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, we're, we're talking about a guy we don't have a verified weight on six foot six, 245 pounds. He popped an 11, four, five in the hundred meter this spring, right? These are the type of guys physically that we talk about with the potential in their body that you have to, to, to develop. If you're Notre Dame, you have to really play this card counter game. And I like what Notre Dame's doing right now. You mentioned Kennedy Erlacher is probably going to be one of those guys that moves from a third-level player to a second-level player, going to play closer to the line of scrimmage. I like him. He's instinctive. You can tell his last name's Erlacher. I mean, he brings it. Uh, and this it, is a guy who can trigger, pull the pin. He's violent at the point of attack. Yeah, he, he fires through the hips. I mean, if you put – we 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 need someone to sync it up, but some of those tackles look ju look just like dads, right? You know, get like a little just like that, just like that. <laughs> yeah, get like a little cowboy collar on there, and I'd be like, "All right, I I could see this. We we need to mirror them up side by side." Uh, Bryce Young, I'll, I'll say this: you mentioned I didn't know he had that a uh, that track time, um, but I have been slowly, and this is process has been taken forever. We're going to talk about the NFL draft here. I've been going pick by pick, and I I got to get the data together. I got to analyze it. But one thing I have noticed: a lot of front seven defenders. A, a huge indicator for those guys is, is just running track. A, a number of day two and day three edge players from all different levels, all different schools, they all have that in common. A lot of guys pop in times in that ballpark, right? We always talk about sub 11. Well, hey, you know, you're you're north of 225 and, and you're running somewhere and, and doing hurdles and relays. That is a, a strong indicator. And his father, too, is in the NFL Hall of Fame, uh, comeback player of the year, was with the 49ers. Um, selected in the seventh overall in 1994 NFL draft. So, hey, another uh, indicator with the bloodlines. What was his dad's name? Bryant Young. Doesn't ring any bell. Fascinating. And, and we'll get. Well, into I, this I, I was like draft. three years old. <laughs> right, I was. I was two. <laughs> but you know, I mean, I, I watched a lot of football starting probably in 19, you know, 97, uh, 90, 90, 98. Besides the point. Drew, I, I don't know if you've taken this into account, baked this cake yet. It's probably going to take a little bit more in-depth research, but the genetic bloodlines as well. Not just having a father or uh, a father who played collegiately or at the NFL level, but taking that into consideration. I think that's starting to be more relevant in the scouting circles as well. All right, Andrew, staying in the Midwest, Michigan, they just continue to kind of put it together. And we got a guest tomorrow, hopefully. We're excited. That should be tied to the Michigan program. Jake Guinera, number 25, interior offensive lineman committed to the Wolverines. Drew, you've had a lot of exposure to him, as you mentioned, pre-production in the state of Florida. What are the Wolverines getting in Mr. Guinera? I mean, I, I wrote it in the in the scouting report. I think he's a guy that kind of blends technique, feel, and, and power all together. Uh, he goes to Ponte Vedra High School up there and uh, outside of Jacksonville. Uh, right where TPC Sawgrass and where they play the players is. I, I saw him uh, Halloween weekend. He played uh, Nice and Marcus Stokes. Stokes was kind of the main attraction, but got a chance to see Jake play. Works at left tackle for his high school team. Um, he self-reports, I think, no sacks given up as a junior. Um, but this is a powerful guy. Uh, he can bend a little bit. I don't think he's going to be long enough to be kind of a corner protector. Maybe – 
he could be a right tackle in a pinch, but I think he's he's fit for the inside. And Cooper, you noted it last week in our recruiting kind of uh, back channels. You're like, I think center. And then sure enough, Jake commits to the Wolverines Friday live on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. And Steve Wilfong's got a story saying, hey, Michigan's got their, their center of the future. That's what they've been kind of billing him on. So state of Florida, not really known for its offensive lineman. Um, I don't think they had any drafted in in this here in this draft. And I don't think they had that any. That blows my mind. Dude, the numbers are so bad. I got I'll pull them up for you. It, it's bad. I think like maybe two or three over the past five years drafted total. But Jake, Jake's a transplant. He's he, his dad played at Rutgers. Um, but I'm not gonna knock it. I I, I get it. I, I think Michigan did their homework on this kid, kid that's been on campus. Um and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to knock that take at all. Excited to see what he can do up in Ann Arbor uh, in that program where they seem to develop a ton of individuals. Six, four and a quarter, 285 pounds, six foot six wing. He ran a five to eight. It's definitely a positive indicator there. 34 inch arms. You know, this is when, when you saw him work out, not so much the tape, when you see him work out, this was from a combine back in March, so uh, just over a month and a half ago. You see him work out, you're like, okay, I don't think he's got the elite level athleticism to play out on the perimeter. You move him inside, it's still a little bit of a question. And then you move him inside again, you're like, okay, center kind of makes sense a little bit, but he's a functional athlete, can get to the second level. Drew also noted on the call that we had during our rankings uh, conference call that Michigan kind of makes you think a little bit more than you want to when it comes to your evaluations with the offensive line. You know, Sharon Moore, who's they've kind of moved around a little bit as a position coach, he's done a tremendous job there. This is an offensive line that's won the Joe Moore Award, the award for the best offensive line unit in the country the last two years. They've done a really good job here. So Guinera, I think also between the ears, what they're looking for. And I think I will say this about Michigan. Like, yeah, maybe Guinera gives up a little bit athletically i like the fact that they're already projecting him to center and i think they know they have a very good idea of what fits their type of football right it's not always sexy but it is smash mouth they play a physical brand and that's been the difference for them the last couple of years especially that matchup between michigan and ohio state's been the point of attack and it's not just michigan that was in on him right that kind of makes you do a double take penn state North Carolina State, I think they're also in his his top five, and and then you had Florida in there, but NC State just had an dr- offensive offensive lineman drafted, and and then Penn State as well. So um, schools from all around the country were zeroed in on him. From Ann Arbor to Columbus, two friends right there, Michigan and Ohio State. Ohio State they pick up their third running back, Jordan Lyle. Drew, do I have a player comp for you? The number thirty two running back in the country. From St. Thomas Aquinas, maybe it was the number. He'll join James Peoples, the number five running back in the country. We haven't talked running backs, Drew. I know I'm going through my deep dive of like the top two, four, seven right now, and I got a crush on James Peoples. I like him a lot. Sam Williams Dixon, number 102 athlete as well. He's also in the boat for the Buckeyes. So Jordan Lyle, you know who he reminded me of? People listening to this show are going to be like, what in the hell are you talking about? Julius Jones from Notre Dame. You remember him? That's got to have been what? I mean, you got to go way back. Second round draft pick of the Dallas Cowboys back in, I don't even know when. 
was doing a little bit of research. The only reason I'm really familiar with this game, I watched him a little bit in college, knew him with the Cowboys, but he ended his career, I think, with the Saints. But I like Jordan Lyle, man, like decisive inside runner, sudden. When I say decisive, like good patience, good vision, long speed's a little bit of a question mark, but he's a really good complimentary back in my opinion. Yeah, and this one I think caught some people by surprise. Jordan's been kind of uh, private about his recruiting process, and I've had a ton of exposure to him. You know, they Aquinas opened the season last year against what St. Joe's out of Philadelphia. Uh, Lyle had some highlight reel runs. I think a few of them went viral. It was that opening weekend, you know, before college football, um, breaking some tackles. Average 11.2 yards per carry as a junior, 12 touchdowns for STA, which is obviously one of the more storied programs here. Uh, I, I like it. And what 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 I think makes this make sense for Ohio State is he's going to be in a complimentary role, right, with James Peoples and those other guys. And sure, I think if Jordan needed to carry the load, he could do that. But between the tackles, I mean, he's a guy that is a physical runner, like you noted. He is he is, uh, he is well-built. I've seen him in, in person in street clothes multiple times. So I, I think all that is, is certainly notable. And then the Buckeyes, second commitment down in South Florida. Already got Jeremiah Smith. Um, they continue to do work in Fort Lauderdale and Broward County and, and, and really in Miami. I mean, last cycle it was Brandon Ennis. Now they got Jordan Lyle. Um, and it's not surprising that every – kind of contact open period. I see Ryan Day making the rounds down here. If you're wondering if you're Ohio State or you're Georgia or you're one of these programs and you're you're trying to figure out who that back is this year, where's that Cedric Baxter Jr.? Where's that Ruben Owens? Where's that Justice Haynes? I think you'd be hard hard pressed to find that guy. Yeah. It's not a very uh, top-heavy class when it comes to the running back position. You know, the guy that I love is is Taylor Tatum out of Texas. Even then, you know, it, we're going to talk about it later with the draft process. It, it's just hard to elevate these backs unless you believe they're really special. So I think Ohio State more by committee. And like I said, you know, I got the crush on James Peoples. We'll, we'll come back and revisit him at a later time. But a little food for thought there. All right, let's go to the SEC West and then get out of here and talk a little bit of NFL draft. Texas A&M, they're getting things going. DJ Durkin and the boys. Tristan Jerdingen, number 33 inside linebacker, or linebacker, I should say, out of Tupelo, Mississippi, out of my region. He picked the Aggies on Monday, Drew. I got to say, man, like sneaky, sneaky little storyline here. We really like this kid at Under Armour Atlanta as well. Six foot, 215 pounds, ran sub four seven. You turn on the tape, man, he flies around with his hair on fire. Physical, strong at the point of attack, will light you up. This is one that kind of goes under the radar a little bit for a lot of different reasons. But for AM to go into Mississippi, where I think this is going to be a guy, it's going to be a priority for, for both in-state schools. And I can see other schools kicking the tires on him as well. I like this pickup. I just remember me and you being inside the IPF there in uh... – where, where was that camp again? Uh, Carrollton, Carrollton. And, and I kept saying to you, hey, I like Jernigan. And um, those Under Armour camps are usually hard for uh, linebackers to kind of stand out, right? Um, there's no real – I mean, there's positional drills, but 
They don't really do much. And then they, they're not really built to succeed in those environments. Right. And then the next thing you know, it's like, Hey, uh, these running backs are going to run at you for 20 minutes, try to cover them. And uh, I thought Jernigan was a guy that consistently shined in coverage. Um, he's athletic, right? Then you, you look at how he tested, you know, uh, you know, sub four, seven, four, five shuttle, uh, good jump markers. Um, this is a pickup that won't be talked about enough on the national level, but I think he's absolutely someone that can play in the uh, SEC. Makes a ton of sense for DJ Durkin right there. Um, and, and just building out that defensive two, two deep. I, I, I think it's a really nice pickup for them in, in a state where they're usually not as active there in, in Mississippi. I like it a lot. Aggies getting it going. Aggies. Colorado, you throw them into that same conversation. Outside of Colorado, I mean, which obviously they're they're in the news right now. AM's got to be one of the most intriguing storylines, programs coming into the season, especially with Bobby Petrino on the offensive side of the ball. Andrew, Texas AM commit, Dalen Evans, number 10 defensive lineman in the country, if you're not familiar with him. 60 plus foot effort in the shot over the weekend to win the regionals. Can you explain? to the listeners why, why that's just important to note. I mean, that's one of the – is that the best mark we've seen in the 24 cycle? I think anytime you're, you're touching 60 or close to that, it's – okay, you kind of kind of got to put that to the side to its own little special category, right? Uh, it's a little bit of an eye-opener. Yeah, I mean, just lower body explosiveness uh, and, and hat tip to Hudson Standish, who's the one that sent it to me on, on Saturday. He texted me that right away, a photo of the, I guess, scoreboard um, showing that number. I mean, uh, you love to see it. I, again, as I've gone through all these draft picks, uh, the, the shot and discus numbers for the big guys continue to show up and I don't think out of anyone in the in the 200 guys drafted, anyone touched, or, or the 200 guys I've gone through from the 2023 NFL draft, I don't think anyone touched 60. So to see it from a guy like Dalen Evans, um, it's 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 encouraging, and he's been committed to the Aggies since July, late July of 2022. Going to take some visits here. Um, they're on the ledger. Going to take an OV to Florida, Georgia Tech, TCU. Also trying to get involved in there. Um, yeah, but what was what was uh, Jevin Williams like? What was his mark? It's a good question. If we had I'm Gabe like, Brooks on here, I mean, he'd, he'd know it like a calculator. He's, he's the shot guy. He is. He's a shot and discus guy. All right, while you look that up, I'm going to give a shout-out to Hudson Standish. Works for our Texas 24-7 sports site. He's an honorary oyster boy in my eyes. <laughs> I mean yeah. – Listen, let me let me put you on. Even if you're not a Texas fan, this is a, a name to know in our industry. He's all over it. He's a very good talent evaluator, and he's done a lot of homework by himself. I think he's 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 got a huge career in our industry. He's killing it right now for Mike Roach and the team over there on the Texas side. So Hudson Stanish, guy who helps us out a lot. Hudson, if you're listening, thank you, my friend. Um, all right, Drew, what do we got on the Javen Williams numbers? 66-7 for him. Oh, that's pretty but, good. But that was like a state record in Pennsylvania. It's pretty good. That's why we like him. Okay, Drew, you ready to talk some NFL draft? Yeah, man, let's get into it. Where right. would you like to start? Would you well, want to go by I, conference? I, like, I want to start with your tweet. Are you a – what broadcast did you watch? I watch NFL Network because – 
I have a tremendous amount of respect for Daniel Jeremiah. Same and obviously he his career with the Baltimore Ravens, but it's it's not like, hey, here's a former scout. You're going to take his word for everything. He is so prepared. But I love that organization. I love the Baltimore Ravens organization from a scouting standpoint. Eric DaCosta, Ozzie Newsom was obviously in that chair before that. I mean, they are a speed, toughness, instincts type of organization, and they have a profile. I, I just love the way the AFC North scouts the game. And really the two teams that I'm talking about in the AFC North are Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Like, you know, when you're going through an NFL draft, like, hey, what is a Baltimore Raven? What is a Pittsburgh Steeler? Like Joey Porter Jr., even, yeah, sure, his dad played eight years for the organization. He's one of the greats. Joey Porter Jr. is built to play for that organization. Zay Flowers, right, who a lot of people compared to Steve Smith. Same deal. I mean, it, these are football players that also have an edge that fit a, a certain type of criteria. So I love both of those organizations just from a tangible, intangible standpoint, the way they see the game. But to your point, Daniel Jeremiah obviously started his career in Baltimore and then I think started working for Chris Mortensen at ESPN, helping him with his draft prep and splintered out. And he's all over it, man. Like he's he's thinking at every angle. He's he's good. And you know who else I love? I got to give a lot of credit to Charles Davis. Like yeah. Charles Davis, one of the most genuine human beings you will ever meet in the world. And I think we're going to have Charles on here in the next couple of weeks, which would be great to just kind of review the draft and, and see the way that he saw it. But I love that team. You got Rich Eisen who's been doing it for a long time. That's, you know, it's, it's nothing against uh, ESPN and NFL Network. It's just like the nitty gritty detail of those guys kind of put them over the edge. I'm in the same boat. I, I'm team NFL network. I'll tell you who else is really good. Kurt Warner. Yeah. You get him starting to talk about those quarterbacks and a lot of these guys they just bring on because of their faces or their experience. But you can you can tell the people who have prepared when it comes to NFL draft time. Yeah, I I had that comp. I was watching some coverage of someone and I'm like, I I, I think it was right after Kurt Warner said, I'm like, I don't think people realize how hard it is to just go and and formulate something and make sense and not look like an idiot on TV. Like it's not a walk in the park for them. You know, like you have to be buttoned up and prepared to to just cameras on go. Do you feel this way? I I always I want signing day and I don't think it will be, but I want signing day to be like the NFL draft for us. Except names aren't flying off the board, right? So you know where people are going a lot before. There's not this big build up and anticipation like there once was. But think about 259 draft picks. And if you're Daniel Jeremiah, you're on there for three days, right? There aren't any filler words. He does a great job of being able, I think the hard part for evaluators is being able to say what you want to say, but being able to say it in a way that uh, the general audience will be able to digest and understand what their team is getting in the player that they just drafted. And yeah. Daniel Jeremiah is exceptional when it comes to that. And he keeps it light too. Like he's got little, he's got little jokes he throws in there. And then I'm like, why, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> he's good, man. There's a reason why he's the best. He's the best. He's the best. All right. So a lot of love for DJ NFL network, a lot of love for ESPN. They do a great job too. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24 seven sports football recruiting podcast. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our Druzer, I, I guess I'll just put it out there. I mean, we can start wherever, but if you have one takeaway, like if there's one takeaway you're watching the NFL draft this weekend, you're like, that's interesting. That makes me think about this a little bit different. Is there one that pops out? Yeah, and it's going to be a little weird. <laughs> but I've, I've, had, I've had this theory, man, in like I think – Hoops is king. Basketball is king. Like you start digging into the profiles and all these guys and I just so many of them were basketball players in high school and there was a lot of high level basketball players. Right. And I think we we've discussed it here in this space in the in the past and I'll preach it everywhere else. But the spatial awareness, um, I just think it translates to football and it's not just out on the perimeter. It's in the trenches as well. You know, you got to know what's around you. You either got to go through someone, you got to go around someone. Um, and as kind of the draft unfolded and and the more I've done some research, just the amount of, of prolific basketball players that were selected really stands out to me. And we always talk about track, right? Um, but I, I think kind of hoops is king. And I think it's a really, really, really good indicator. Um I'm through 200 of how many guys are drafted? Like 258. What's the number? 256 or something like that. Off by one, 259. 259. Okay. 83 of the 200 played high school basketball, according to my research. And, and, and you know, that's one or two seasons, right? Um, so some of those guys are, you know, summer role players. And I think it's hard to be a multi sport athlete, but there is a lot of guys that were really, really good basketball players. Um, Zay Flowers, you mentioned him, guy that slipped through the cracks, right? The Florida's big three didn't want him, uh, goes to Boston College. Um, another fun exercise I've been doing, Cooper, is going back and watching watching the huddles on some of these guys that were, were outliers. And it, Zay Flowers was a corner and, and a wide receiver, uh, but he was also a very good basketball player, won a pair of state titles at Fort Lauderdale University School, Played alongside Scotty Barnes, who's in the NBA, um, and Vernon Carey Jr. So he's one. Um, but then, I mean, I can go down the list. Sam Laporta, the, the tight end that goes in the third round. You know, he averaged 15 points per game as a senior. Third team All-State. Uh, Michael Mayer, uh, another guy, double-double uh, on the hardwood. Um, uh, I, I don't have them all in front of me. There was another good one on here. 
Uh, Rasheed Rice, wide receiver out of SMU. I think you could put kind of him and Zay Flowers right into the same bucket. These smaller wide receivers that were uber productive at the collegiate level, right? That didn't go to these bigger schools, but they're from these football hotbeds. What do those guys have in common? Well, they didn't run track. It's not like they were these sub 10-5 guys. No, they are both high school basketball players and they're both good uh, hoopers. So that that's something that stood out to me. That's something I've been I've been marinating on. And um, but yeah, definitely hoops. Keep an eye on it. You could have gone a lot of different ways. It, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit when it comes to the draft and studying it. Obviously, you were I told you I went on a tangent. I went down a weird, a weird road. There, there could have been a ton of layups. That's right a there. good way. I mean, there, there, there's a lot of information out there, and it's hard to disseminate. And it's good to see it from your standpoint. And I think what we try to find out is how does it apply to us, right? And I think there's like what are what are the lessons learned here? And you don't want to overreact. And it leads to another conversation, Andrew. There's been a lot of talk and no shortage of people patting themselves on the back as there's the highest number of five stars drafted in NFL draft history with 13, another eight, four stars drafted in the first round, eight, three stars, two unrated players and Devon Weatherspoon and Dalton Kincaid, who have pretty interesting stories. And I believe one two star that that would add up to thirty one. I'm gonna have to go back and check my math. Maybe two two stars. No, there's an unranked, unranked two unranked. Witherspoon and Kincaid. I I don't know. I don't think that adds up to thirty one though. So I'm gonna have to go back and double check that. But anyway, besides the point, I think you're starting to see. Like I I said this. I went on Kevin Clark's podcast yesterday, and he he was trying to figure out is all right. Is the industry improving? And basically what I said, I, I think the access to information over the last really even five years, you can date back with third-party services like UC Report. If you don't know what that is, it's a it's a third-party service that hosts combines for anywhere from group of five to power five prospects over the spring and over the summer. And if you are subscribed to their service, which Andre, or excuse me, how many Power Five programs are there? Do we know? Uh, well, I mean, we, we got more teams moving to the Power Five level, but their big stick was uh, 64 65. And 64 the only out of 65. And the only right. school that didn't subscribe is Iowa, who had what, three guys go in the first round? <laughs> I think they had, so they had Van Ness, they had Campbell. I think they had two. Could be wrong there. Well, Laporta, um, Laporta right there at. Laporta, I think, went in the second round. But point point being, Iowa, whatever it is that they're doing, they're obviously they have it working for them. But I do find this fascinating: is is the industry, quote unquote, improves? And let me let me note here: uh, you know, Andrew was part of the company; I was not. So the people that are seeing success, a lot of you know, the praises of Barton Simmons and Charles Power, who's now on three. They deserve a lot of credit. And then the rest of the team as well were on these calls, a regional analyst, Brandon Huffman, Greg Big, and so on and so forth. It's all baked into the cake. It is it is interesting. And Andrew, I think for us, it's more about minimizing the misses and how do you do that? You talked about Rashi Rice. You talked about Zay Flowers. To me, going forward, there's more attention now given to those type of prospects where you say, Hey, I got a double digit guy 
on the hardwood. I also have a guy that has a production on the gridiron as well. We got to take a closer look at this player and make sure that we got him right. Right. And that becomes the difference of high three star and a four star grade. I think that's that's really important to me. That's the conversation that exists. I think going forward, I called you yesterday. I don't think there's going to be a lot of dissenting opinions when it comes to the top 32, maybe even the top 40 going forward between us and other services. I think where you're going to see the separation from here on out is really going to be from pick 50 and beyond, right? Like that's where the services are going to make their money. So that to me is, is fascinating. That's exactly what I said to you, right? When you called, I said, well, you know, how do we, how do we get the back end to look like the actual NFL draft? Right. That's that's kind of my my thought. And that's exactly why I'm pouring into these guys. And yes, every situation is unique. And um, but you're just trying to figure out, all right, how, how did we miss here? How did the industry miss on this guy? You know, why why did everyone label this person a three star? You know, what what were the indicators? What does the film look like? You know, was this just a case where, hey, someone didn't really spend enough time investigating or was this person injured or uh, what, what was there some other circumstance that that made them, you know, not pop and, and get those rankings next to them? Like that's that's where I, I think I think I agree. I think that's where where the difference will be made. Um, I also think like. <laughs> you know, every year there's going to be players. I think people need to understand this. Like Kalijah Kansi is different. He was he was in your region, right? But Kalijah Kansi is an outlier, right? If Kalijah Kansi ends up going in the first round, it, it it is what it is, right? There's a balancing act there. Dalton Kincaid the same. He walked on at University of San Diego, had the basketball background. He ends up transferring to Utah and then blossoms over there under Kyle Whittingham. I think what's interesting, Andrew, Bud Elliott gave me the stat of cover three. Over 50% of the players drafted in the NFL draft this year, half the draft class were made up of five, five stars or four stars. So that's only 10% of the population. You got to understand that number per cycle is anywhere from 350 to 400. That's the number right there. I know a lot of people are focused on the top 32. That's the number right there. If you're the industry, if you're us, if you're anybody else, that's the number I'm looking at, right? Because that's what you're going to be graded on. I think that the mass quantity and that's fascinating to me. And I think where the industry has improved has been the access to information. Now that you can see combine footage, now that we have live exposure, there are additional events. We got Elite 11 regionals. We got Elite 11 finals. Granted, that's been happening for a while. Track and field data, how to disseminate it, right? Multi sport athleticism. I mean, we're talking about the cornerback position, the receiver position. If you were drafted from one of those two position groups, 89% of those guys were multi sport participants in track and field in high school. 89%. Right. So you want to talk about how critical that is to the evaluation process. And Andrew, you and I talked about it. People are going to be like, you guys are are so all in on the numbers. The numbers are important. But remember, we're really evaluating the athlete more than the player right now. But it's this subjective and objective blend is what it's going to come down to. Yes, it's going to be one part of it's going to be analytics. And another part of it is going to be how much do you weigh 
certain supplementary data points. And then the tape as well. You have to see those traits on tape. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Like you can't just say, hey, this guy's a sub 11 guy, but you turn on the tape and he's not coordinated and you don't see recovery speed and you don't see ability to get in and out of breaks. Doesn't translate, doesn't translate. Well, I blow your mind with this stat right here. Let's do it. Out of the first two rounds, how many guys were sub sub 11 in high school? Well, we talked about it yesterday. 64 picks or 63 this year. I would have to look at the breakdown. Uh, I'm going to go single digits. I'll go four or five. Four. First two receivers off the board, four, five, two guys at the combine. I will say this, though. I think All it's right. a weird I, did, I, did, I didn't want to do it off a of text because I don't think you would have responded the way that I implied for you to respond. You texted me right after Jackson Smith and the Jigbo went off the board. If he was, if he ran closer to four four, he wouldn't have been off the board at twenty. <laughs> I think he would have been a top ten pick. I think we can agree on that. Yeah. No. I'm... And then Quentin Johnson. You look at him. He had the bat. Uh, he had the basketball, I believe. Big, big and jumper. Had, and track and field was an elite jumper. Feel like LA already has that guy in Mike Williams. I thought that was kind of odd. I thought they would have gone Addison there. I mean, they could have kind of had their. I don't. I got to go back and look where they pick, but I thought they were ahead of Minnesota. So, anyway, I, I want to circle back on Collage Cansey. You brought him up, and the fact that he's an outlier, and I think. You have to investigate the outliers, but you can't always be chasing the outliers or you're never going to get it right. Does that does that make sense? I understand. He's a he's a red numbers player. And for those of you listening who are wondering what that is, that means that his numbers from a height and a length standpoint are below the average percentile of NFL starters, right? So anywhere from 30 to 10%, right? So basically where those players would get drafted is late day three, anywhere from five to seven to an undrafted free agent. Kalijah Kansi is the one guy you turn on the tape and you say, okay, he's, he's special, he's different. And it's the same conversation, like we always talk about this guy, but it's the same conversation with, with Peter Woods, right? And Peter Woods probably has a three quarters of a, an inch in terms of arm length on Kalijah Kansi. <laughs> so it makes you think, right? What was funny, and you know what's funny? The draft comparison on Kansi was was Donald, who a couple weeks on this show, I was like, I hate even doing this. Now, I think it was easy. It was low-hanging fruit both because they both went to pit, right? But, yeah, but besides, listen, if you get beat on Kalijah Kansi, you get beat on Kalijah Kansi. I think in a, in a, in a real-world scenario, you want to say, acknowledge hey we think this guy is a really good player you know but do we think he's a top 32 guy probably not right probably want to raise the floor on him a little bit higher all right i gave my from the hip take (laughs) on the draft give me yours maybe it's probably not as odd well you know i like i said i thought the the star ranking process was interesting i'll tell you this andrew i looking at 22 which was our first class together, the 2022 cycle, I think we're going to have more than 13. I think these numbers are going to continue to improve. 
And I think the process gets better year in and year out. So that's my that's my outside prediction right now. Looking at that, I feel good about those guys. I think that number could be around 15 or 16. Now there's going to be a couple of those guys that don't pan out. But, um, you know, I think for me, I had somebody tweet me yesterday and said, hey, are you guys going to reevaluate the way that you see running backs because of two running backs being drafted in the top 12 picks. And I think if you asked a lot of people about Jameer Gibbs and the Lions taking him at 12, people probably, I think the majority of people would probably tell you that's a reach. Now, Jameer Gibbs, an excellent player. Point being, there were seven running backs taken in the top three rounds. I look back at 23, right, to kind of say, all right, let's let's see if off of that question where we fall in this. Cedric Baxter and Ruben Owens, we had at 30 and 31 last year. Bijan Robinson goes at eight. Jameer Gibbs goes at 12. Two running backs in the top 12 since the first time, I want to say since 2017, six years, where Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette did that. And McCaffrey certainly had an MVP-type season. Fournette has been a little bit of a mixed bag since he left Jacksonville. Some of those are hard to justify, right? I don't think Carolina would go back and, and do anything different. McCaffrey's certainly been special with San Francisco in a short time there. But you look at running backs, I, to me, Andrew, I think – let me stick with running backs real quick. Last year, two running backs in the top 32, six of them in the top two, four, seven in the top three rounds, right? So that – no, it doesn't change. It's just – to me, it's an outlier in a larger set sample size. Right. It's just it's kind of an off year. Like, and you're telling me the off year is all right, you got two teams who value two three down running backs that can do everything out of the backfield, that can catch the ball, that are difference makers in terms of with the ball in their hands. We're not going to see those guys every year. So, no, that uh, to answer that, I, I don't think that changes the way we look at the running back position. Also, tight end. If I ever thought there was going to be a year where the tight ends were going to break through in round one, it's going to be this year. I mean, we heard about Dalton Kincaid. We heard about Michael Mayer. We heard about Luke Musgraves and Darnell Washington. And the only one that comes off the board is Dalton Kincaid. And all these guys have production. All these guys are plus athletes. Mayer, you can maybe argue, is more high floor than high ceiling. I thought that was fascinating. And to us, how it applies to us, I guess this is my point. If you're a running back, if you are a tight end, and if you're a safety, you just got to be different. Like you got to pop on the tape. You got to you got to test out of your mind at the NFL Combine, and there just has to be so much evidence of you being successful at the next level that you give the person in that GM chair no choice but to take you. And I think that's exactly what Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs are, are capable of. And then with Dalton Kincaid, I mean, you pair him with Josh Allen, that idea alone, I mean, that, that gets you excited. I'm not even a Buffalo Bills fan, right? So I look at those three positions. The one that I would maybe give a little bit more breathing room would be safety, but running back and tight end, I just feel like those guys got to break the mold. I saw the same tweet that was at us about the running back position. I, my response is, if we think they're good, we're going to rank them high, right? Nick Singleton was number 19 two years ago. Last year, Cedric Baxter, 30. Ruben Owens, 31. And then Justice Haynes at, 
at 34. Like if the running, if the running backs there, we're going to rank them high. And I think as we approach this 2024 cycle, that dude hasn't emerged yet. Right. You said it no. on the front end of the show when we were talking about Jordan Lyle and James Peoples and all those guys. I don't think that dude's out there, and, and maybe they'll emerge. Um, I love Taylor Tatum, and even then I, I can't talk myself into having him in the top 32. On the tight ends, though, and do you think that a lot of them went in the second round because it was so deep, a tight end? Yeah, I mean, you even have guys like Luke Schoonmaker, who we talked about, right? I mean, I think he went in round two. I mean, I think in the Dallas, who obviously needed a tight end. But, but, but that's a that's a it's a it's a good counterpoint. It just depends on how you value the position. Like, if you're Buffalo, you're a contender, right? Buffalo probably sees it from like, hey, we're one or two guys away, right? So it's a luxury pick. It's not a premium position. So my point being is, it's like, you know, we the only tight end we had in the top 32 this year was Deuce Robinson. Deuce Robinson is a, a different skill set. We have used words like unicorn. That's my point. You have to check so many boxes, dual sport athlete, genetics. I mean, we're talking about a guy that was probably going to go in the first 10 rounds in the MLB draft as well. Like, it, I, I get your point. I think the board also, board in need. Is kind of what it comes down to in the NFL. Okay, so wait, Kincaid, Kincaid, Dalton Kincaid, give me his backstory again. Dalton Kincaid, now I have to brush up on this, but was a, was a basketball player. I don't know how legitimate of a prospect was. If I had to guess, I think he, he obviously had some things going. Okay. Goes to the University of San Diego, not even on scholarship. Goes there, walks on, transfers to Utah, and the rest is history. That's the Sparknotes version of what I have on him. But okay. Bud Elliott, I believe, put out a story yesterday or today talking about a little bit of the background of Don Kincaid. I need to, to look at that a little bit more. All right, so I already said this. Laporta, 15 points per game on the hardwood. All-state recognition. Super productive on the defensive side of the ball. Michael Mayer, basketball player, average double-double. 99 tackles his senior year on defense. Luke Musgrave, a unicorn of sorts, um, <laughs> ski champion, right? Was it Musgrave at where you guys recruited him? Oregon State. You were a little familiar with him, Luke Musgrave, right? Correct. Yeah, uh, he had a background in background in skiing. I don't know <laughs> which one. I don't know if it's. I, I mean, I doubt the intrigue would come from cross country skiing. But he but, was a, he was a unique athlete for sure. Britton Strange, basketball player, Tucker Craft, uh, quarterback, basketball player, Darnell Washington, big time basketball player, Cameron Latu. How about him going to the third round? Rugby player growing up, was graded out as a defensive player. He was a two way guy. Josh Wiley, Cincinnati, big time basketball player. Will Mallory, uh, big time track athlete with the hurdles. Payne Durham lacrosse player didn't play football until his senior year of high school davis allen big time baseball player big time basketball player uh i just keep going on and on those are all the tight ends drafted like literally every single one of them multi-sport athlete um with a ton of traits on the tight ends i think it's important to note we're not like looking for hey does this guy participate in track and field 
Like, I think it's it, it, it's evident as it sounds sometimes. Like, it's important what they do in those sports, right? It's not like, oh, hey, we're going to bump this guy up because he plays basketball. Like, we used to talk about, like, Arch Manning. Oh, Arch Manning plays basketball. Yeah, we love the fact Arch Manning plays basketball, but he averages, like, 10 to 12 minutes and, you know, I think less than two or three points, right? It's different when those guys, like Cordell Russell was one of those guys. I mean, Drew, I remember, I think it was you or Gabe. Cordell Russell's <laughs> draft stock, per se, started to shoot through the roof for us last year when we found the, the tape of him on the hardwood just on the rim. I mean, that's where he lived. He lived in a different airspace, right? Then you get around the player a little bit. So I think all those things matter. Like me, my infatuation with like Carter Nelson out in Nebraska. I mean, this guy, his leaping ability, right? It's what, just different. It's what, what is what is Carter Nelson's long jump or high jump? Seven Oof. foot, right? Something like Seven that. foot is ridiculous. You know, it, Usually there's a metric where you're like, all right, if you're six foot plus, and I'm talking like as a receiver, you're like, okay. All right, this this is good. That's the marker we're looking for. Seven foot plus at two hundred and fifteen pounds. You know, to to use Gabe words, language. it's nutty. It's nutty. It's the only the only thing you can call it. All right, Drew, we got a lot of draft to get to. I know, right, I know, I know, but real quick because you mentioned I just rattled off all those tight ends, right? All right, it's not just hey they they're on the roster. It's it's what they do, and a lot of those guys again decorated basketball players. Will Mallory track athlete 10 9 in the 100 meter dash fourth at states as a senior also a hurdler took fourth at states as a senior in the 110 and then his high jump six foot high jump right so we're, we're going to get into carter nelson at some podcast down the line right but you have will mallory taken in the fifth round out of university of miami his marker six zero in the high jump now we have this kid carter nelson tied in out of nebraska in the <laughs> in the uh 2024 cycle he's a seven foot high jumper you know Here's the hard part about Carter Nelson. People are like, well, if you love him so much. I mean, he plays eight-man football. Right. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of different va- variables that you have to go through when you get when you get to the bottom of Carter Nelson, who I love, by the way. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. All right. I'm going to read through the conference. We can talk about that a little bit in terms of what schools have the most selections. SEC 62. 17th straight year with the most Big Ten at 55. Very respectable. What a drop-off here. ACC, 32. Big 12, 30. Pac-12, 27. Group of five. American Athletic leads with 10. Sunbelt at 9. MAC at 7. Uh, Mountain West Conference, 5. Conference USA, 3. FCS, D2, 12. Pretty fascinating there. And then by school, Alabama, Georgia at the top. They lead with 10. Michigan at 9. TCU, a little bit of a surprise at eight. Clemson at six, Florida at six, LSU at six, Ohio State at six, Oregon at six, Penn State at six. You ready for this last one? Pittsburgh. Dude, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Like, there's a couple schools like every year that you're like, all right, let's. Uh, I was telling, we said this, I think we said it on the show. Iowa's like, and we, we got to like pay special attention to them. You know what I'm saying? Like, we need to designate one person to Iowa and just make sure. All right, we're weeding out the guys that could go in the top 50. And Pittsburgh, especially with what they do in the defensive line, I mean, give a lot of credit to, to Pat Narduzzi, Charlie Partridge, the rest of the gang up there. They've done a tremendous job. That number would have been seven with Jordan Addison, right? 
So yeah. th- th- there's another point for me uh, I have in the first round, first year in the common draft era, everyone was from a power five school. That's obviously a, a product of the transfer portal. Well, keep talking. Let me pull up a statistic here. I think there's only going to be more of that, right? Okay, so they were there were five transfers in the first round. Okay. How I many did. of them do you think came from group of five programs? Uh one or two. Zero. The transfers were Tyree Wilson from Texas A&M, Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech, Christian Gonzalez from Colorado. Jordan Addison from Pitt and Dalton Kincaid from San Diego. Pretty interesting, huh? Yeah, but then so you go- even then, you would have had, you know, Devon Weatherspoon was Juco. Even then, you know, that it still would have been very power five heavy. I think that I, I'll tell you what, Drew, not a lot of people are talking about that stat. I think that's I think that's fascinating. And we can talk about the portal because I think you're onto something. I, I do think the portal is going to serve as a grooming system for a lot of these guys who transfer up from group of five and FCS programs. But I think we'll see more of that in the future. You know, we talked about the industry improving. I think that, I think college football programs as a whole are improving as well. Slowly, but surely. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to write it down. Because I think last year there was how many portal guys went in the first round. I wrote it down somewhere. Now I can't find it. Of course, terrible podcasting. But I think like three years ago, there wasn't a single transfer that went in the first round. Like what does that number look like in two years from now is my question. I think you're probably closer to – I think you're probably flirting with 10. Yeah. Double digits. No doubt. I mean, you think about all these quarterbacks, how many of those guys end up transferring and – yeah, I think that number is going to be a lot higher. I mean, that's that's when it would be, right? That's when it would take effect. Yeah, yeah, okay. I found it right here. found it right here. 2022 draft, Jamison Williams, Zion Davidson, Jermaine Johnson. So 2022, you had three. 2021, it was just two, Justin Fields and, and Jalen Phillips. And Jalen Phillips was kind of a, you know, medically disqualified. And then in 2020, Joe Burrow, year before that, none. It's just it's just changing the look of you know college football, right? And and you mentioned the the twenty twenty two recruiting class for us, right? That that yeah, group. How, how many of those guys have already transferred? Well, uh, Travis Hunter's one. <laughs> uh, See, so yeah, Travis Hunter's transferred. Is he the only one? There should be some more in there if i remember correctly that's pretty good if if there's only one so far i think he's the only one so far well anthony lucas right okay yeah and chris marshall and keontae goodwin (laughs) so a little bit a little bit more than we bargained for yeah keontae goodwin at 33. how do we have 33 five stars someone reclassed lt overton there you go. Keontae Goodwin. Yeah. So what is that four in total? So far. There you go. Drew, any from school standpoint, Alabama, Georgia, not a shocker. I will say this. I mean, we are like numb to Georgia. Yeah. 
I mean, 25 players drafted over the last two years, that's the most in NFL history. And when we say common draft history, that means since 1967. It's the most over a two-year span, 25 players. And we talk about Nick Saban in Alabama, as we should, being the standard when it comes to NFL draft picks. I don't think people really understand what Kirby Smart has cooking, but also has been cooking these last couple years. You saw the everyone from the 2021 starting defense was drafted. It's nuts. And then like Tyreek Stevenson goes in the second round who like couldn't even get on the field. You know, it was like just like a role player. Johnson on that defense too? Yeah, I think so. First round draft pick, right? So. But the, the, the point about this, what was the score in the national championship? 63 to 7? Yeah. TCU just had eight players drafted. And they're reloaded. I mean, we, we say it every time, every every signing day. It's like, hey, like there's no drop off coming on the on the defensive side of the ball with what with what they got coming in. Well, I got asked this yesterday. It's like, what's your secret? And it's like there is no secret. They identify the most elite players in the country that have height, weight, speed, production, multi-sport athleticism, and then they sign them, and then they coach them, and then they develop them. And what I said was, listen, when you look under the hood, and I felt this way at Oregon, you look under the hood, you look into that building, and hey, are, are, are you the most organized that day? Is everything structured? Is everything perfect? No. Like, hey, yeah, you might have a tail light out. You might have a flat tire. The only thing that matters is how much horsepower you have. That bottom line. And nobody understands that better than Alabama and Georgia. And I wanted to make this point very clear because I, for whatever reason, I was thinking about it this morning in the shower. You know who else has got that recipe? And I see it right now. And in like two to three years, I think they're going to be in this conversation of who leads the NFL draft top four teams, Dan Lanning. I mean, his commitment to what Kirby has done at Georgia and him bringing that out on the West Coast, it's different. It's more difficult. But in the first two years, they have been so committed to that simple little philosophy. And we talk about height, weight, speed, but everything that's encompassed in that. I mean, they are building that team the right way, and which is why I think Oregon's going to be a beast to deal with. For years to come if they continue to do that and plus they're getting it done in the portal as well so quick random off road on oregon their spring game was on saturday did you see uh young concrete our boy mateo ugalele or how i heard some rumbles what uh, talk to me played some tight end did he yes he's an athlete now he's like, an athlete like now. apparently was good at tight end yeah that doesn't shock me at all that doesn't shock me at all He's a he's such a he's such a wild card. What what would Teo end up finishing for us? Top fifty, young concrete. I keep putting you on the spot here. Well, I'm, I, I got the Oregon two deep pulled up because now you got me you got me wondering about who these guys are that are going to young be. concrete. What a name! That's his Loves rap name. Young concrete. For those unfamiliar, we're talking about DJU's brother, number forty-seven. Okay, talking about the the draft picks by schools. What do you make of Florida having six? They just went six and six. Yeah, double-edged sword. As you can see, I'm, I'm collecting my thoughts here. <laughs> I mean, that, that that doesn't surprise me if that's what you're asking. If, you're, if, if the other side of that question is, you know, should they have been doing more on the field? 
also believe that answer is yes. Um, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but uh, no, like, no, for sure. No, I mean, I think Florida is Florida's had, the, they've had as more, as much turnover as anyone in the, I mean, not Colorado level, right. You know, just with how much, how reworked that roster is going into 2023. Now you take six NFL players off that roster. Sure. And I just, you know, what does that look like in, in 2023? That's a good point. I don't know. Andrew, what did you, what have you and I said about Florida? I mean, this entire time, it's like, I like what they're doing. I don't have, I don't have a lot of confidence in their quarterback room. Right. And if you don't figure that out, which is why, like, you know, I even brought it up the other day, but like the, what Alabama has done with Tyler Buckner, I think Florida is in a position to do the same thing or was at least, you know, with a guy like Casey Thompson or one of these arms out on the market. Right. Like to me, you can't have enough arms in that room because if, Shit hits the fan this year. I mean, you, you have to be able to have a parachute in the bag. I don't know if they have that right now. You know, you got Graham Mertz. You have Jack Miller. What else? Yeah. To me, like if if Napier puts so much more pressure on himself by not getting that position right, and maybe they do get it right, but, I mean, you were, put, you were putting a lot on a guy that really hasn't proven that he can do it at a high level. Sure, there's been spurts. There's reason to believe and be confident, but it was all part of the reasons. Like to me, Devin Leary was like the guy, the plug and play guy that makes you competitive and takes you up a notch. They don't have the runway to go like, and maybe it works out. But to me, if I was in that office, I'd be like, all right, this is who we're hitching our wagon to. That scares the hell out of me. You know, we better be really careful. So I, the the hard part about Florida is I love what they're doing from a team building standpoint. I know. I'm looking at. I'm looking at the. The roster right now and like there's like a lot of pieces i like it's like they're just, just they're just you, they're young and if you don't get that position right it just puts so much more pressure on everybody else and they are super young i mean so young on defense so young and the other part we haven't talked about them would they lose three coaches to the nfl yeah that's tough okay yeah one we'll of the, i have no no idea what to expect out of them go ahead i, I know we got to wrap this up uh another thing i found stood out to me about the NFL draft, 14 quarterbacks go. I think that was the most since I wrote it down. Can't find it. That was the most 12 quarterbacks in the first round, is I, I believe the most ever. There wasn't 12 in first, the first round. First, first, first five rounds, excuse me. Bad podcast. We're, we're an hour and six minutes in, dude. I'm starting to lose my train of thought. Okay, but I I, I, I texted, texted you this. Hey, two of these 14 drafted were one-year starters in high school. I thought that was interesting. Two of the fourteen. Two of the fourteen. Yeah, that's a good stat. They are. Let me. Let me. Let me. Yeah, go ahead. Dorian Thompson Robinson was at Bishop Gorman, played wide receiver behind Tate Martell, takes over his senior season, goes to UCLA. The rest is history. I remember his recruitment. Dude, like so many schools were in on DTR, and he had never started a high school game. It was kind of like un. We've never seen that before. And the other one's Aiden O'Connell, walk on at Purdue, was a basketball kid. Um, Thought that was that was interesting as we kind of marinate on on the different quarterbacks. Um, I also looked it up. Four arms under six uh, six feet or under. Bryce Young, Jake Hayner, Jaron Harrow, Jaron Hall, excuse me, Stetson Bennett, and then you had six arms or six foot three or taller. So some some big boys out there. That's a stat buster right there, is it not? Yeah. 
the six foot or under, I mean, because we, we've talked about it. I mean, typically the guys that are six foot or under, I mean, you're, you're pretty special. Right? Well, you got, I mean, obviously Bryce Young, Stetson Bennett, who, you know, he was player of the year in, in baseball. <laughs> He's a really good baseball player. I, I didn't I didn't know that. Uh, Jaron, Jaron Hall. Why do I keep saying Harold? Jaron Hall, another multi-sport guy, baseball, basketball, actually played baseball for the Cougars. And then Jake Hayner. He's the other one. Fired up about Jake Hayner, baby. Who that? Fired up about that one. All right, Drew, if we go through top two, four, seven quarterbacks in 2023, we had 15 of them. Correct me if I'm wrong here. The the one-year starters, would Childs fall under that? Kind of. Kind of, right. And then Austin Mack, right? Yes. And then outside of that, I think that's it. Everybody else, multi-year. So pretty interesting. I mean, even even for us, right? And that's definitely something like Gabe Brooks does a very good job when it comes to age. <laughs> How old are the quarterbacks? He also does a really good job when it comes to starting experience as well. So something we already, I think, pretty much rely on there. Drew, I'm trying to think. 15th straight draft saving out a guy in the first round. I think it's also... <laughs> We brought up the transfers, but man, the transfers he brings in to get get selected. Jameer Gibbs, Tyler Steen transfers in from Vandy, goes day two uh, as an offensive tackle. You know, you ready to get out of here? You got the hat on backwards. I think it's time. Yeah, I got a meeting. I got to go to here. Guys, we appreciate you listening. NFL Draft Recap Show, absolutely loaded. Great show, Drew. You brought the juice. I'd like to apologize to producer Lance Glenn and the organization of the New Jersey Devils. Also, if you'd like to subscribe to the show, you can subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcast, Apple, Spotify. Make sure to leave a rating. Also, leave a review. God, we're so bad. Ask questions on there, guys. I know a couple of you have asked questions on there. I promise we will get to them by the end of the week. Lance, make sure I don't forget maybe a little mailbag on Thursday or something like that at the end of the show. But... Guys, we appreciate all your support. Awesome interview, by the way. I got to plug it. Kevin Clark of The Ringer jumped on him, uh, jumped on him, jumped on his show with him. Uh, Kevin Clark, great dude. Talked a lot about the NFL draft. Same thing we kind of talked about today. So, guys, we appreciate it. We'll have a guest hopefully this week. Working on locking that down right now. Big one. Big one for the boys. We appreciate you listening to the Oyster Boys, and we will see you tomorrow for Andrew Adams. I'm the protagonist for Vince Flynn. So long.